Hello, welcome back to Brian's Episodic Ramblings. Today I have my friend Mark. Mark, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Mark Silva and I go to Landmark High School. I'm a student. Today we'll be discussing uh, fascism, where it was, what people think of it as, uh, what it truly is, and how it's affecting the modern world. Let's start with the definition. I believe the definition and the general definition from a textbook will be a form of authoritarian far-right. It's an authoritarian far-right ideology. This can come in different forms. Uh, an example would be the Nazis, white supremacists like the KKK, the fascist party from Italy. Uh, and But those are not the only forms. Mark, would you agree? Do you have any comments on what oh, fascism I would, I would is? Agree. I'm, I think the average person thinks that fascism is just when people are put in concentration camps, but I think it's a lot more subtle than that. And I think there is a danger that it won't come. It will sneak up on people. I completely agree. Uh, I believe that, and I, from the sounds like you also believe, the fascism isn't something of the past. It's something that we're still going to be dealing with. Uh, and so if you would agree, we can talk about what modern fascism is. Yeah, we could start Poland or Hungary, how they are uh, both under forms of far-right, almost dictatorship. I would can, a single party state. I, can, I mean, I completely agree. We hadn't talked about this before, but Poland is a great example. They kicked uh, to pass abortion laws. Uh, to restrict abortion, they had kicked multiple part, uh, multiple uh, elected officials out just by choice because they disagreed with them. So those are more extreme, still European examples of what fascism is, and they're definitely still a part of it and a good example of what can happen in the modern world. But that is not the limit of what fascism in the modern world is. Fascism here on the home front in America could be very much seen as something that People see it as something that can't happen. Fascism won't happen again. It won't, it'll never happen here. But I think that me and Mark agree that's not true. Fascism, fascism isn't as simple as something is or isn't. Uh, there's a fairly good checklist that a writer made in the early 2000s after studying fascism. Uh, it has 14 characteristics. I'll go down the list and then we can discuss a few and how they popped up in uh, modern America. First of all, the power and uh, the powerful and continuing capitalism. Second, distant uh, disdain for human rights. Third, identification of enemies as a unifying cause. Fourth, supremacy of the military. Fifth, rampant sexism. Sixth, a control of mass media. Seventh, an obsession with national security. Eighth, religion and government interwined. Ninth, corporate power uh, is protected. Tenth, labor power su uh, is suppressed. Uh, 11, a disdain for into, uh, intellectuals and the arts. 12, obsession with crime and punishment. 13, rampant congressmen in corruption. Uh, Coronius corruption, thank you, Mark. And uh, 14, fraudulent elections. I want to go down the list and just talk about how we can see those in the modern day. Okay, uh, number one, powerful and continuing nationalism. I think a good example of this, and I don't know, I actually don't know if you agree, would be uh, the idea of running on a campaign like MAGA, which was specifically for trying to have, saying America's the best, America's first, we need to go back to old times when America was even better type of thing. I see that as a form of obsession with nationalism. Would you agree? I would agree, yeah. 
yeah, MAGA yeah. was fairly just obsessed with national, and it's I, not I like national not pride the is bad. Example, but I would say that there's an a example. Correlation. I think we both agree that uh, there's a difference between nationalism and national pride. I think both of us are fine with being proud of the country you're from and things it does, but an obsession with national pride is seen in literally every fascist uh, ideal system. Uh, two, a disdain for human rights. Uh, this can be seen... Torture. torture. Immigration. Im yeah, torture. Immigration uh, at the southern border is... I mean, there are kids in cages. It happened under Trump. Biden isn't doing much better, in my opinion. I think that they both just are abusing a system they could, they could fix, but are choosing not to. Uh, and so I think that's a great example. Same with Guam. Uh, the UN has repeatedly told the U.S. that it can't be torturing people the way it is, and we've just ignored it. Uh, third, identification of enemies as a unifying cause. This is where I would put immigration. I think you agree. You're, you can't see, but Mark is currently nodding. Saying that, that, saying that, oh, they're taking over. This is like, I know there's a statistic that in 2040, 2040-ish, there's going to be more uh, people who are minorities, who are majority, and less white people. And I think some people feel threatened by that. I think so too, yeah. And I think that's a unifying cause. Yeah, I agree. Some. It's, I thought I would find that one really interesting because America is known as the melting pot, right? The, the New York is famous for being like the melting pot of America, which is the melting pot of the world. But then people are just like, no, yeah. we're, the pot has melted. We're, we're, we're done now. The soup is complete. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. Um, supremacy of the military. I don't, I go back and forth on this one because America, I don't believe has, would fall under this category as a whole. I, uh, we have a military, we have a very strong military, but it's not like we see it in everyday life. It's not like if you look to Venezuela or South Korea, even, which has mandatory military service, it's not like the military is all powerful. It's just something strong that we have. Yeah, we don't have military parade. Uh, and I think our military needs to be better because we're there for the whole world. Uh, but I think when people talk about the military and a strong national defense excessively, I think it kind of borders on the... I think, I interestingly, it's actually... It's important to have these things, but... But maybe we don't want it to be too powerful. We don't want it to be ruling the country. Yeah. Like, democracy still should come first. Um, five, rampant sexism. I think this is where we might disagree. I see as the American culture as very strongly sexist. While gender roles are being pushed, there are still very strong gender roles, in my opinion, that are confining women. Uh, and I think as far as an example of rampant sexism, look at our last president, who was uh, bragging about sexually assaulting women. I believe that it's very easy to look at America and quickly identify that we are a country with a very sexist culture. Would you disagree? I'd say that there's some past that would be very difficult, but I think we're on our way to young I agree that we're on the way. I think that there's different movements and different people agree of how far we need to go, what is too far. Um, yeah. Controlled mass media. Controlled mass media. Uh, that just, we don't have that. Uh, I think that's flat. That you see that in Russia. Today. Don't get me wrong. America has propaganda. Yeah. Believing that America doesn't have propaganda is absurd. 
However, we do not have uh, the amount of propaganda. Yeah, we do not have this level of state-run propaganda that, like, many countries do. An obsession with national security. I would say that America falls under this. Yeah. Since 9-11, the Patriot Act being the most notable example has been absurd about taking away the rights of uh, individuals, specifically Arab uh, people and other Middle East uh, people of Middle Eastern descent, have had their rights stripped away uh, in the follow-up of... Um, uh, President Trump said that he wanted to eliminate the radical Islamic extremists which is a pretty broad term. <laughs> yeah, it's the idea that there's other people, especially this is something that is creating in and out groups. An in and out group is where uh, someone, you use a common, you create a common enemy, you create the good guys, bad guys scenario. Uh, and this is very much national security is being used as an excuse to do this. Uh, I mean, it's very obvious. Uh, religion and government being intertwined. Okay, these are on the small, yeah, on the small scale, we are in theory, our government is set up in a way that we are not supposed to have government and religion intertwined. We have freedom of religion, which means one religion can't be controlling our government and can't be heavily influencing our government. However, clearly we have senators, individuals, and presidents who are very obsessed with putting their religious ideals in our government. Would you disagree? I mean, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. This is something that I think is bad, but is is easy to keep in check. I believe that if we continue uh, to like enforce our original ideals of a secular government, this shouldn't be too much of concern. Not compared to the obsession with national security that we. I think the next two go together, where corporate power is protected and labor power will be suppressed. I think this is a great example. Uh, for what America has, because unlike other nations, if you look at Germany, if you look at France, uh, I mean, obviously, the ex-communist countries, they all have labor parties. They all have the populist party that is specifically for work, like blue-collar workers who like care about unions. America has a very anti-union culture. It has a very, uh, if we don't have a union party, like it's unions are seen as some communist thing that the Cold War was fighting against. And sure, there's and we have two is focus parts. Yeah, completely. Uh, I mean, we even have systems in place where individuals can't don't can only donate so much money to a uh, to a political campaign, but businesses and organizations can donate as much as they want. Uh, so clearly, we have a very uh, business focused government. Uh, I think number eleven is a pretty clear one: uh, disdain for intellectuals in the arts when. Uh, People say the liberal elite. I think that would be a. Yeah, there's a disdain in. I'm just gonna. I think a lot of these things we've been alluding to, but not directly saying, is the Republican Party has something. A lot of. I don't think the uh, Democratic part, Democrat Party, has like. uh, It doesn't have as much as this one. It definitely has. In fact, I would say it doesn't have this one. Uh, The Democrats have been running on a campaign of uh, being smart and like doing the smart thing. Uh, however, they are not immune to fascistic ideas, especially when it comes to authoritarianism. Um, however, this is one of the examples where it's explicitly the Republican Party is uh, candidates are running on the idea of not being uh, like of own of not in, engaging in like the arts or higher education. And they're often like spoken about in like almost a joking context.
So I would say that there's definitely parts of that in America. Uh, number 12 is obsession with bread and punishment. I mean, this is pretty Pretty obvious, especially following the BLM protest and in the BLM protest. Their president, even, in my opinion, Biden, there's an obsession with law with keeping law and order, keeping control, which in that example I think is particularly shameful given that the BLM protesters are generally speaking trying to uh, keep control with uh, just or keep law and order, but just to be fair. Uh, 13, rampant cronyism and corruption? Um, like nepotism? Yeah, there's large amounts of nepotism in the U.S. government. I would also say that the U.S. government has a problem with how the system works for who can donate. I don't know if this is more supporting the uh, corporate powers or just how everything's set up, but corporations being able to pay absurd amounts of money to individual politicians, to me, seems absurd. Why, like, they shouldn't be able to do that. They can influence elections to an absurd amount. We agree on that. Uh, Number 14, I don't think we have a whole lot of this, you know, alleging that a free and fair election was fake or fraudulent. I don't think... There's accusations of fraudulent elections, but America is fairly good, actually, about not having fraudulent elections. I know one of the things that Hitler did when he came to power was Was, he uh, said a bunch of elections were stolen from him. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we don't, we may not have fraudulent elections, but people call elections fraudulent, which is just as damaging. Which, yes, which would fall under the 14th category. Um... Moving on, we can talk about those were us going over how we see fascism in America. I would want to talk out uh, talk about for our last few minutes about how the internet is impacting fascism. See, for me, this is where I believe me and Mark are going to differ the most. I see the internet as largely supporting fascism. We can see this in uh, what's referred to as the alt right pipeline. The alt right pipeline is a uh, is which uh, refers to a mix of YouTube, podcasts, and generally right-wing media that distorts what is uh, factual and not factual, and it largely uh, shows these characteristics. An example of this could uh, be seen in Steven Crowder, who routinely makes fun of, uh, who's a conservative commentator who criticizes uh, colleges and uh, things that are generally seen as accepted in scientific community. He was against masks. He uh, has uh, he was skeptical of vaccines. We can see fascist ideas in the alt right pipeline YouTube, and that is dragging people to the right. What? Well, 